And I do think that if we can successfully support local governments and, and city projects, this is a wonderful opportunity for sort of bipartisanship, where there's a lot of credit can be claimed on, on both sides, essentially, by helping to make, make these new projects effective. Welcome to Management Matters, a National Academy of Public Administration podcast where policy meets practice. I'm Joe Mitchell, Director of Strategic Initiatives and International Programs at the Academy. On this episode, I'll be talking with my guest, Sean Mooney. Sean is currently Dean of the O'Neill School of Public and Environmental Affairs at the Indiana University Bloomington in IUPUI, Indianapolis. Sean and the O'Neill School are hosting the Academy's fall meeting session on November 9th on urban sustainability in Bloomington. Sean is an Academy Fellow, and I'm delighted to be speaking with her today. Welcome, Sean. Hello. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So glad that you're here. So I'd love to know a little bit more about your background, um, and in particular, what you know got you into the topics of urban affairs and sustainability and leadership. Well, you know, I'm an economist by by training, and uh, as an undergraduate, I really got uh, interested in sustainability and the environment, and in particular, uh, climate change. And uh, through most of my career, I started uh, working on issues related to sustainability and climate change. And then as time has moved on, you know, I've moved mostly from working in rural and agricultural issues to um, really having much more of an interest in the urban and built environment. So many of our global citizens live in urban environments and we're seeing much more of a population move to urban environments. And it just seems that there are some fascinating questions about their design, their operations, and their future sustainability. Yeah, absolutely. It's a fascinating set of issues. And as as you know, in November 2019, uh, the Academy announced our 12 grand challenges in public administration. Uh, There are several here I definitely see as as connected to urban sustainability, including things like public governance and engagement, social equity, resilient communities, and and even, as you mentioned, the climate change grand challenges. And so I was wondering what alignment you see between the grand challenges and the issues that your event will be discussing at the fall meeting on November 9th. Well, actually, I think there's a great amount of of overlap, and I think that these are just bang on the target of some of the grand challenges. I think that certainly we're focusing on public leadership and trying to expand the boundaries of urban sustainability, and we're looking at them from uh, three perspectives on November 9th urban food systems, energy, equity, and justice, and then, of course, the, the leadership aspect. I think that these three things together are really excellent things to to look at because urban societies are just really complex. They're really interconnected. And uh, the environmental systems uh, which which overlay these societies really require kind of coordinated actions between society and environment across all levels uh, of government and, and also many sectors of the economy. And so, you know, I think there's a tremendous amount of alignment here with um, the grand challenges uh, for Napa. Awesome. Well, yeah. And so in looking and you you touched on this a little bit already, but in looking at these, these on the one hand seem like a pretty disparate group of topics. But I imagine that you and your speakers are going to see some important interconnections with these. I'd love to know a little bit more about how you see the topics connected and, and in particular, how public leadership impacts those topics. 
Yeah. Um, well, I, I, I think you're you're absolutely right. I, I believe that these areas are completely uh, interconnected. And I think they are areas where we really need to see uh, new strategies, planning and policy making, as well as management efforts to kind of address these three areas. A couple of points that come to mind are, um, you know, we're going to be addressing the potential limits of administrated and elected executive leadership uh, to overcome many of the things that we're seeing right now, such as the politicization and tribalization of citizen citizenry. I mean, we've certainly seen a lot of that in the news. So it's very complex to manage these um, these urban environments. And then we're also seeing a lot of rethinking of the role of social and environmental goods and services, such as food, housing, uh, green infrastructure, and in particular, issues uh, related to uh, social justice. Um, much of this is coming up and, and showing itself in the spheres of food. And then, of course, the second, uh, the, the last area being energy, because I, I think that we can see that these institutionalized social and uh, racial inequities really spill over into energy as well. Uh, we have a, a lot of research that shows that marginalized communities uh, really paid a disproportionate burden in the most recent increases in energy prices over the pandemic. And so I, I think that these are just really excellent interconnected areas that really bring together many of the thorny issues that face our urban environments. Yeah, there are definitely a lot of uh, thorny issues, you know, kind of wicked problems. Um, and I know that you're focusing a lot on public leadership. So I would like to get your thoughts on kind of the state of public leadership and in particular how career administrators should think about their role um, on addre in addressing the issues of urban sustainability. Well, I mean, I, I, I think that... Uh... Their role is absolutely critically valuable because I think with those administrators, you really have a, the longevity of a perspective. You really have a talented uh, workforce that is uh, absolutely committed to to this area, and you know, and I, I really think that. Our urban population, particularly given that the intersection of the population that, that we're serving in urban areas with things like equity and justice, you know, career administrators for a really long time have already been thinking about these issues. And I think they're just perfectly poised to, to move forward and continue the dialogue to try and improve our situation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the career administrators is kind of where the where the rubber meets the road with so many things. So I'm I'm based in Washington D.C., and so we all know that uh, political leadership in in D.C. is and has been divided for for a number of years now. So so wondering how different are things in the states um, and in the nation's major urban areas? Well, you know, I think. I think uh, it's a bit of a mixed bag and uh, it varies really across the country. I mean, I, you know, I think that's one of the really interesting things about the U.S. that uh, one of the many interesting things about the U.S. in that uh, we have all these small experiments that are going on across the country all the time. And we get to see which ones are successful. And in fact, many of them are successful because you have all these different um, uh, conditions. 
And so, you know, are there things to be learned from the states I, and uh, local communities? I absolutely think so. And, uh, and I want to draw your attention actually to a couple of things that might be happening within our panel, which could to help illuminate this. And so we're going to be having, um, so a couple of speakers I can think of is uh, we're going to be having Maleli Kennedy of the city of Indianapolis, who's going to be talking about her innovative work uh, that improves local food environment. And, uh, you know, so that's one area where I think, you know, um, activity within a city might also be able to inform national policy. And we're also going to have uh, Tamara Downs uh, Shui from the city of Minneapolis to talk about her work as well, particularly innovations in uh, farmers market coordination, um, um, in addition to many other speakers. But I I really um, uh, agree with you that I, I think that there's a lot to be learned from outside the Beltway. And uh, there's just a lot of really interesting work that's going on. Yeah, absolutely. Well, so I, I'd love to kind of drill down just a little bit into the three different topics that you're talking about. So as I think about food and, and urban sustainability, um, urban populations obviously depend on people outside the city you know, to feed them. And I was wondering what you see as the biggest issues and challenges with urban food systems um, and how the global pandemic impacted those. Oh, gosh, you know, um, I think that's 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 a great question. Not sure that I have a, a, a wonderful answer for that. But, you know, I will say that, you know, some of the challenges in general have been maybe more of a disconnect now between urban areas and rural areas of the U.S. because there's around about 2,000 rural counties in, in the United States and fewer and fewer of them are agriculturally dependent uh, over time. There's only about a little over 400 of them that are agriculturally dependent right now. And so I think that right now that that uh, many people in urban areas are not necessarily aware of how their food is produced or um, under what conditions it's produced and uh, are essentially just a lot less familiar with agriculture. And even in fact, many people in rural areas are becoming a lot less familiar with agriculture because of this uh, decline. I think, you know, for, for the, the pandemic, I mean, we've seen actually things like farmers markets became more difficult to put on during the pandemic because they involved more of this face-to-face interaction. And uh, what I'm really hoping is that uh, as we open up, and we're certainly seeing this right now, that we can kind of get back to normal with with those kinds of interactions. And I'm certainly seeing that in my own community here in Bloomington right now. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned farmers markets. Are there any other innovative practices that states and localities are, are adopting that you've seen that could be replicated? elsewhere? Related to food? Food, yeah. Yeah. Actually, you know, there's a a lot of really good work also going on related to food access and uh, food waste as well. This is a, a big burgeoning area. And, you know, one example I can think of is the uh, city of Baltimore in collaboration with the John Hopkins Center for a Livable Future uh, really has a really excellent researcher and policymaker partnership on food systems and public health issues that uh, is bringing out a lot of innovative work right now. And, uh, and as I mentioned, health, I mean, something to think about, and I know that this is not necessarily the focus of our conference on the, the 9th with NAPA, is that you know food insecurity, 
food provision and the availability of healthy food really has an enormous impact on the health of our communities. And it's another tremendously important uh, issue, though we're not addressing that in, in depth. Right. It sounds like there are many, many issues that you could be addressing. Uh, so maybe you, you, you need much more than a day to go, to go through all these. I know yes. that we're also talking about justice, equity, and energy. And I was wondering, from your perspective, how you think urban leaders should be thinking about, you know, the connection between those things, because a lot of times people do think of those as, you know, pretty disparate, um, separate topics. Focusing just one more time on on food, well, you know, thinking about um, equity with with food prices during the pandemic, low income households, you know, oftentimes they are, first of all, trying to pay their rent and then pay their utilities. And then whatever money is kind of left over is left for the food budget. And so as energy prices increased, you know, many of our residents in urban areas were left more vulnerable to food insecurity. And, you know, I think it brings up uh, a sort of question about uh, energy itself and that, you know, we've had a lot of focus on reducing carbon emissions and green, other greenhouse gases, but we need to do more than just uh, invest in energy efficiency but uh, we also need to do things like empower our vulnerable uh, communities to be participants in these decisions that actually affect them, because uh, you know it's really going to influence well, the kinds of technologies that we adopt are really going to influence the costs of energy and then also the workplace opportunities that are available to our urban residents as well as our rural residents. Yeah, definitely. So I, I think you're hitting on some interesting kind of public governance and engagement um, issues, and it's which is one of our grand challenges in public administration. And you know, clearly, urban public leaders aren't islands among themselves. They have to work within the nation's intergovernmental system. So I was wondering if you had thoughts about you know why you know um, we should really care about the intergovernmental system, intergovernmental issues, especially in the context of urban sustainability. These are really classic uh, intergovernmental issues because we have um, a relationship between cities, counties, the federal government, state government. And I think, you know, they all have jurisdiction over different types of decisions. And, and I think that the ability for different levels of government to, to work together to solve these problems is, or to, to address these issues is, um, is just vitally important. You know, it, it, we can think about it, you know, cities really have a lot of influence over uh, the built environment, for example, buildings and then transportation corridors. And they uh, function within within the guidance also of state mandates and, and federal mandates. And so, you know, I, I think that the uh, intergovernmental relations between each of the different levels of government is uh, particularly vital uh, to being able to solve some of these problems. And, you know, one example would be, you know, the Paris Accord, for example, which is is to, you know, reduce our greenhouse gas emissions. You know, that would be, um, you know, a national commitment that would then have cascading effects all throughout the U.S., Exactly. I mean, it, it's it's it is a very complicated um, and complex and interconnected system. And a lot of times, I think that you know something happens at one level, and it's kind of like we think, okay, well, that's now the policy, and we don't think about how it's influencing, you know, the uh, impacting the other levels of government. 
Um, I know that there, in many states, there, there. Since we're talking about urban, urban uh, public leaders and urban systems, you know, there are a lot of tensions between state capitals and urban centers in in many states. And I don't know if you've seen kind of effective practices around developing a cooperative relationship, and or if you think that the federal government could do um, things to help um, ensure that that there is a constructive relationship there. Well, you know, I, I think the federal government and and the states perhaps haven't uh, done as much as could be done over the last decade or so to help uh, local government build capacity for sustainability. You know, so so it, resource commitments don't really match the scale of investments that are needed in some cases. One area of hope, I think, is, you know, the current infrastructure bill. So, I mean, if that infrastructure bill passes, they're going to be literally, you know, hundreds of billions of dollars for sustainability related uh, investments in, you know, transit, energy efficiency, electric vehicle readiness uh, that local governments would have to implement. And, you know, I think one question is, you know, whether we have enough capacity within our cities and technological capacity, administrative capacity to uh, effectively manage um, some of these investments. Thinking back in time to like the ARA um, funding, you know, that there was a lot of uh, onerous reporting and then a bit of a um, sometimes a bit of a rush timeline. Some of the expenditures were perhaps uh, not as effective as we would have liked to um, have seen. So, you know, I, I think that there's an awful lot that that could be done from the federal and um, state governments to really uh, help support the capacity uh, of uh, local and city governments to kind of roll out some of these uh, new changes. Yeah, absolutely. Because that, I mean, that capacity is, is critical to to making sure that these programs are are, are implemented and and have the desired effects. I would also say, you know, we talked a little bit about political conflict as well. And I do think that, you know, successful projects like this, if we can successfully support local governments and and city projects, you know, I also think that this is a wonderful opportunity for sort of bipartisanship, where there's a lot of credit can be claimed on on both sides, essentially, by helping to make, make these new projects sort of effective. Yeah, but it can be some win-win. You know, just just help help your help your fellow um, members of the public. So you're um, you're at the O'Neill School. You're a dean. You're you're in academia, obviously. So I'd love to know more about what um, you're doing at the O'Neill School to develop public leaders who can address these these critical issues. Well, you know, um, I don't know how much you know about our school, but I, but one thing I, that is very unusual about the O'Neill School, it was established about 50 years ago, and it was um, established with no departments whatsoever. It's always been a place for interdisciplinary uh, collaboration. And so I think that we are perfectly poised and, and actually have been doing this for a really long time to develop really excellent interdisciplinary leaders. And I think that these are the people that are needed to work on things like these grand challenge questions that Napa has proposed and these wicked problems that society is, is facing. And so, you know, what we're trying to do in the school and and I think what we're successfully doing is preparing students to, to communicate across a number of disciplinary fields, you know, the environmental sciences, the social sciences, actually the arts as well, and, um, and also across uh, public, private and nonprofit sectors. And um, 
I think it leads to a really rich environment because our students are really learning many different ways to approach problems and to quickly contribute to the interdisciplinary teams that you just face in the real world. Like in the workplace, uh, you're not working with people like yourself. You're working with people that have a vast array of skills and you need to be able to communicate effectively with them. Yeah, that's very interesting. So yeah, the, the Academy's president and I, we did an article for the Journal of Public Affairs Education a couple of years ago and made the argument that, you know, schools in our field really do need to be much more interdisciplinary and expand their curriculum and programmatic offerings, um, precisely for the reasons that you're saying. I mean, in the real world, you know, things don't stay inside one discipline. So it sounds like you you all are, are already doing that. You We could do a case study of your school. Well, you know, and, and uh, something else that I, I think is is important and also Im- important for for young leaders of, of today and tomorrow is also the glo- the global aspect as well. You know, I think it's important to see the perspectives that you can get from studying other societies and other means of uh, other ways of organizing that are there within the world. So we also really strive to make sure that uh, our students have the opportunity to get an international experience and approximately 50% of our students actually go overseas at least once uh, during the time they're with us. And I think it's it's a very popular thing and I hope it's a very ri- enriching in, uh, experience for them as well. Yeah, you can definitely learn a, learn a lot. You know, there's a saying in comparative public administration, the country you learn the most about when you study another one is your own. So you really learn a lot. Um, I'd be interested in knowing, too, how the global pandemic has impacted, you know, your school's efforts to develop public leaders. You know, um, I I think that people may have actually become even more interested in leadership and, and in particular, I think giving back to society in as many ways as they can. And so that definitely encompasses public leadership. A couple of the things that have happened during the pandemic is, of course, that all schools have had to become a little bit more innovative in how we sort of deliver curriculum and how we partner with others. I think that this has been a healthy thing for developing public leaders because we've been able to uh, reach out to to partners we perhaps would not have been able to partner with before. Um, Talking about international collaborations, we're now much more adept at doing these things by Zoom uh, without, you know, it's good to go there, but it's also good to have more of a regular connection on Zoom, doing joint projects and figuring out how to do that. And so, you know, I I think there's a huge pent up demand uh, um, amongst today's students to really have meaningful careers. And I think some of the experiences over the pandemic are really kind of unlocking some of that pent up demand. Yeah, and it's definitely yeah, it has has made it a lot easier to you know to be connected and to actually you know kind of quote go unquote to different places because you don't have to do all the traveling. So it's definitely changed things. Well, as we're wrapping up, um, I was going to ask you to think about the future of public leadership and urban sustainability, and in particular, you know what your biggest concerns are and what your what what your your biggest hopes are about in, in that area. Well, you know, I, I I can't help but think about you know some of the recent events we've seen in political polarization and uh, and possibly some of the undervaluation of expertise. Uh, and people's commitment to, to 
public service. And certainly that has been concerning to me personally, um, because I know how many dedicated and amazing individuals are working in, in public service. So that that has been a concern because I, I, I felt that perhaps seeing that might dissuade the youth of today and uh, new leaders from wanting to uh, enter the profession. But, you know, I, I think, as I said before, I, I really think that what I'm seeing is that students are more committed than ever defining careers with societal meaning. And I think that, um, that that is a big hope for me for the future, that there's a lot, I see a lot of optimism in the people that I uh, speak with. Uh, people, uh, the students are really interested in, you know, poverty, equity, uh, health outcomes, climate change. And, uh, and it's not necessarily all about the highest salary. It's a lot about quality of life and feeling connected to a community and, and really being able to give back in service. And so I have a lot of hope and optimism um, just about the youth of today that are, are coming through the ranks. And I hope that those people that are already leaders in public service are going to um, mentor them and encourage them to keep going. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, other academics I've, I've spoken with also say the same thing, that the caliber of the students and their dedication um, it, to the public good is, is really incredible. It's first rate. So that's they, they, they will save us. Um, the last thing I, I just asked you is just around, you know, kind of practical changes. I always like to kind of pin people down a little bit and say, okay, so we've talked about a lot of, of issues and challenges, but you know, if you could make some changes to public policy um, and or administration to address the issues we're talking about today, what would, what would some of those be? I think in being able to involve communities more at an earlier stage, I think would be an important uh, an important step, and um, and I think also being able to make some of the policies perhaps a little easier to to implement would be also uh, important because uh, sometimes it really takes like such a long time to get these great policies out there that we're just constantly waiting, and then uh, it seems that many years have passed before <laughs> before we are. Doing Doing the things that we've asked to be doing for so many for so many years, so I think that those are a couple of things that I would really like to see. And I and I think that you know some something else that I think is really important is also you know introducing this idea to um, you know I mentioned the youth of 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 uh, the U.S. You know I, I think that many students perhaps in their high schools are still not really sure about what these careers actually might entail for them. And I think being clearer about the really rich careers that you can have and the really amazing things that you can be a part of when you uh, engage in creating public policy and you become a public servant or uh, are engaged in public administration. I think that those are really important things that I would really love to see highlighted more in the future. Yeah, very few people say when they're growing up, I want to be a public administrator when I grow up. They, they don't even know what that is. You know, they think government, they think politics, you know, they, they run for office. You know, they don't they don't understand that there's this whole, you know, millions of people who make things think things work in this country. So, yeah, and that they uh, and they're great and rewarding careers that uh, that you can just work on so many interesting things. Yep, absolutely. And, and so many things that, that really do make a real world impact in people's lives. 
Well, um, Sean, I know that you all will have a great uh, fall meeting uh, session, and I'm, I'm super excited about you, you doing that, being here today. Thank you so much. It's been a great conversation um, and look forward to uh, participating in your fall meeting session. Well, Joe, thank you so much. And I look forward to uh, seeing you on November 9th. Absolutely. Thank you. See you then. For our listeners, check back every Monday for a new podcast from the Academy as we make government work and work for all. And as always, thank you for listening.